0: Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Beginning this season talking about vibrancy, I pray that we've got a vibrant church. I pray that we got a passionate church. I pray we got a church that is filled with life, new life, fresh life. I pray we have a church filled with expectation. Today, that's what I want to talk to you about, expecting an awakening. I believe our name is big. It is bold. Uh, you know, I, I love that we have a name like awakening because we don't want just a little, tiny, go-to-meet-in Sunday church. We want a powerful, revival-filled, miracle-seeing Holy Spirit-infused church, and and that is our expectation, is that God does something powerful through us. Can you say amen? Amen. And so I want to read Acts chapter 1, the beginning of this book, and and Luke is writing it, and he says, in the first book, which would be the, the book of Luke, O Theophilus, this is who he's writing to, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Over and over and over after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples and he spoke to them and he provided proof that he was who he said he was and he did what he said he would do. And while staying with them, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So that's Jesus' instruction, to wait for the promise of the Father, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when they had come together, they asked him, and this is on the day of ascension, they're gathered together on a Sabbath day on the Mount of Olives. And when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, He was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And and they go leave that place and they go back to the upper room and they're all gathered together. The Bible says that they begin to come before God constantly in prayer. The apostles, the disciples, the brothers of Jesus, who we see in the earlier Gospels, Didn't accept Jesus as Lord. Now they're gathering in prayer with the other disciples. They've accepted him as Lord. And they're awaiting the Holy Spirit. And in between, they make this decision to replace Judas so that they don't have 11 apostles. They have 12. So one of, uh, verse 21. So one of the men, this is how they're trying to decide. We need one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Now this man... That's going to replace Judas has to be there from the beginning, from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us. And one of these men must become with us a witness to the resurrection. And they put forward two: one called Joseph, called Barsabas, who was also called Justice. The guy's got like three names. And Matthias. And when they prayed and said, "Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show which one of these two you've chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship." from which Judas turned aside to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Let's pray, God. We just pray right now that you come and you speak. And I pray, God, that you, you help begin to turn the church in the direction you want us to be traveling over this next season. God, begin to bring vision, bring mission, and help us, God, in the coming days. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. 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 You know, one of the core values of our church is, is uh, expectation. We say it this way expectation is our approach. And today, I want to stir up the passion in the church. Today, I want to stir up expectation. You, what you've got to understand is expectation is not just a feeling, it's really a state of faith. And we have determined as a church that this is one of the things that we are just going to value is expectation. We are going to be a loud church. We're going to be a vibrant church. We're going to lift our hands. We're going to say amen. We're going to worship. Just who we're going to be. And, 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 and I understand there's other churches that maybe do it other ways, but as far as our church goes, we value expectation. I'm telling you, I've seen expectation unlock doors that seem to be shut in such a way that they would never be open. But when people begin to expect, when they begin to pray, when they begin to hope, it is a very powerful thing. And the enemy, what he tries to do is tamp down your hope, tamp down your expectation. He wants for you as an individual and us as a community, as a church, to buy into fear and not buy into faith. He wants us to lean towards fearfulness. And, and sometimes we call it readiness or preparedness, but really it's fearfulness that we allow it to get into our minds and our patterns and our thinkings. When really Jesus came, the Bible says that you might have life and have life more abundantly. When I read that scripture, I see that Jesus, I, 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 I sense within it, Jesus came that you might have a vibrant life, an over-the-top life. A life filled with expectation and passion. And so I pray that that's the kind of church that we are. Can you say amen? amen. And that we are a passionate church, that we are passionate people, and that we have expectation in our approach to all the different things that we do. You know, I hope that you bring expectation every single Sunday. I pray you bring it in whatever area of the church you're a part of. If you're a part of team night, I pray you bring the expectation for team night. This is gonna be an awesome night. If you're a part of movement course, I pray you pray all the way up there. You're a crew on your way up. You're gathering people. You're like um like a net that kind of goes through and you begin to just catch all different people as you're going up to because you're not gonna go up to movement course alone. You're gonna bring some people with you. I hope you join a crew and you bring people with you to crew. You say, Jordan, you sound like you're you're wanting me to be really into things happening at the church I am I pray we are not a church that's just an hour and a half once a week where we sit and do nothing that is not us I hope you're involved in an area of the church. I hope if you were to miss a month, it would be a devastating thing. You are too important. Look, take two weeks off, but then come back with all that you've got. Bring your expectation, your fire, your fervor, your faith, because it uh, begins to awaken those around you. Can you say amen? amen? See, the problem is many times it's so easy for the church to put its faith on autopilot. It's too simple for us to put our own faith, just on autopilot, disengage, stay up, you know, kind of whatever, but, but, uh, but not really have vision, not really have foresight, not really be putting the throttle down. I pray we don't have an autopilot faith in this church. I pray we've got an expectant faith. And, 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 and we see Jesus beginning the church at this at this. At this inception moment, as he begins the church, he, he gathers all of his disciples together and he gives them a pro- promise that will build expectation in their faith. He says, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send another. He's the Holy Spirit and he will be with you and for you. He's going to live life with you. He's going to be power when you need it, a counselor when you need it, a convictor when you need it. And, and, and so he gathers all of them at dinner and he gives them these instructions, wait. In Jerusalem, until you receive the Holy Spirit baptism. But what you gotta understand is the instruction is wait, but this isn't a wait and do nothing. What God is saying is, I want you to wait in preparation. I want you to wait in expectation until the Holy Spirit comes on you. You know what's interesting? Jesus doesn't want the church to begin to be the church until the Holy Spirit shows up. Don't you find that interesting? He says, Do not do it. Whatever you're going to do, do not do it until the Holy Spirit shows up. God wants the church to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He wants his people to be filled with his Holy Spirit. And if you're going to try and do this without the Holy Spirit, it is going to be impossible. You need the power. You need the strength. You need the wisdom. You need the fervor. If it's just going to be on you, you are not going to make it. Jesus says, Peter, don't do a thing until you receive the Holy Spirit. And he's saying this on the context, you know, of, of the Sabbath. It's a, it's, a, it's a day of rest and expectation. But he's saying, do not begin the work without the Spirit. And so they begin to commit themselves for the next t- ten days to begin to pray, to begin to prepare, to begin to gather, recruit. They begin to prepare themselves for what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit falls and the church begins. And so we see that this isn't a wait and do nothing this is a wait and expectation. The Bible says those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. I pray we have a church that actively seeks the Holy Spirit. When we're coming to church on Sunday, we're not here to sit and do nothing. We're here to come and we lift our hands in worship. We're saying amen. We're meeting people. This is a waiting and expectation. You understand what I'm saying? This is not a we'll let God do all of it and we'll show up. No, Jesus is saying, I want you to go into Jerusalem and I want you to wait because the moment the Holy Spirit hits, you got to get to work. The moment the Holy Spirit gives you a direction, you got to get moving. And so, and so I pray we are a church that has expectation built in to how we approach God. I pray you come to church with expectation. I pray it's how you come to church. You know, I, I, I pray you show up early. I pray you show up fired up. Can you say amen? amen. Come on, we're going to come to church every single Sunday with something to bring. With something to bring. I'll bring something, but you bring something too. I pray you bring your fire, your fervor. You know, I pray we are a church that engages in expectation. This is why we stand in worship. This is why we lift our hands. This is why we say amen. Because we are not going to, we are not going to let nothing happen. We're going to bring something. We're going to bring something. I don't know about you, but I'm bringing something. If I need faith, I'm still going to bring faith. This is what you're going to understand about. About God, this way you can understand about church is that you get healed as you bring healing. You get faith as you bring faith. You get joy as you bring joy. In other words, you've got to be a conduit for this thing to come through you, for you to catch it for yourself as well. I'm telling you, I'm not just coming to church for faith. I'm bringing faith to the church. Let my faith raise the level of the church and that together we've got an atmosphere of faith, of expectation, of worship. We're not going to be a silent waiting church. We are going to be one that that waits in great expectation for the Holy Spirit to come. I, I believe that right now we, we, we live in a, uh, a society that is just so, so filled with low expectations and, and so little faith in things and, and people in each other and, 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 in, and in institutions. And I pray that that is not us. I pray we have a different culture. Can you say, Amen? amen. I'm here to tell you that great expectation engages the greatness of God. Expectation is not fake, it's faith. It's not fake, it's faith. Expectation is not just loud, it's passionate. Expectation is what we bring personally that benefits everyone corporately. This is the one thing that you can bring every single Sunday that will help everyone down your row, whether you've met them or not. You can bring expectation. You would never show up to a guest house without a gift. Or if you do, you feel real bad about it. I'm telling you, when you show up on Sunday, the gift that you need to be bringing is a gift of expectation. I can, I, I can bring my best. I can bring my fervor. I can bring my passion. I can bring my worship. Expectation is based on who God is and what God has done before. I'm not putting my faith in, a, in a, 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 a construct. I'm putting my faith in the reality that God is so good. He's been so good, and he will be so good. Can you say amen? amen. Sometimes when my faith wanes, and sometimes when my expectation isn't there, i got to remind myself about how good God is and what he's done in my life. And as I retell my own stories to myself, faith gets awakened again. And I say, you know what? He's got me through this before. He's going to get me through this again. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, go to Jerusalem, but I want you to begin to prepare. I want you to get passionate. I want you to begin to pray because you need to get the expectation filled in the upper room before I begin to move. This is the way God has set it up. It's the kind of church we're going to be. Expectation produces preparation. Expectation produces dedication. And expectation gets in the air. Come on, it just gets in the atmosphere. Yeah. Expectation just gets, it just gets, it's, it, expectation begins to draw other people in. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever um, just gotten to a line in the city just because the line was forming. But I've done that before. My <laughs> wife and I were looking for somewhere to eat, and one place had a line. Where do you think we went? We went to the place that had a line never eaten there before. I don't know why there's a line. I don't know if we should be in this line. I don't know if we're going to get to the end and I'm supposed to have a VIP thing. I don't know, but I'm getting in this line because if there's expectation from these people for this food, I'm going to go where the expectation is. And then if the line takes a long time, maybe I'll move on. The other day, my wife and I, were in Boston. We got in line at this food place. It took forever. And so the line wasn't moving. And so we finally, we, we left, you know. But we walked into another place, which was the same type of food. It was like a Korean food. One place had the line. It was too long. We left. We went into another Korean food place. No line. We looked around, and then we went to Shake Shack. <laughs> Let me tell you, expectation is a prayer in action. Expectation is, a, so you might you might say, God, let today be an awesome day in church. Can I tell you, you can answer a part of that prayer by raising your expectation for what's going to happen in church. God, I pray that, that you have good things for the future of my children, and I'm going to expect much of them. I'm going to expect much of you for them. I have a part of answering this prayer that I'm praying. Expectation is a prayer in action. I want to lead an unashamedly expectant church. I pray we're not a church that gets overcome in cynicism or familiarity or all of the things that the culture seems to be slipping into right now. You know, I I love that Jesus, he gives a promise. He instantly gives something that the disciples, the apostles, have to begin to reach for in faith. Not something they could intellectually get there. They had to believe the Holy Spirit's going to come. That when it does come, it's going to bring the change that God promises was go- that it was going to bring. I pray that you don't engage in cynicism and familiarity and in apathy, but I pray you keep engaging your faith. Keep looking into the future. Keep believing good things for yourself, for your family, for your kids, for your church. I, I, just, I just don't want us as a culture and us as a church to just buy into the doom and gloom anointing that seems to be on everyone on TV and everyone on Twitter. They've just got anointing for nervousness. They've got an anxiety anointing. I do not want to get under the anxiety anointing of everyone I'm following on Twitter. I don't want to get under the anxiety anointing of every time I turn on the news. I want a different anointing on me. You get what I'm saying? You got to understand, people have, people have gifts. People have anointing. And just like there they are amazing gifts in the body, there are the perversion of those gifts as well. And sometimes if you read a book, if you're not careful, because you don't just read a book, by the way, you read the author of the book. And whatever's on that author, it eventually gets on you. You've got to be careful about what you're intaking because eventually that vibe gets on you. Let me tell you, I want a vibe of expectation. I want a vibe of passion. I want a vibe that God is good. I want it on my life. I want my music to get that on me and in me and in my car and on my kids. I I want what I'm watching, I want what I'm listening to to get on me and in me and on my kids. I want to unashamedly expect out of life. I don't want to accept death 20 or 30 years before I die and sink into the grave and say eventually I'll finally rest here. I want to keep pushing, I want to keep praying I want to keep having vision and a mission for my life, for the church. Come on, don't you want that in your life? You need to tell God, I'm not done believing and hoping. And, 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 and let me tell you, sometimes you have to push your way into expectation. Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So get ready for it. Be ready for what I'm about to do. And so they say to Jesus, okay, well, what are you going to do? If we're going to wait in Jerusalem, what are you going to be doing? Are are you, at this time, they said, going to restore the kingdom of Israel? You know, if you have been here kind of over the, the series of talks, you see that this is the question that they keep asking Jesus over and over and over and over. Are you going to restore the physical kingdom of Israel here and now while you're here? Are you going to be a literal king with a literal kingdom right now? And here... Jesus is uh, on the other side of the resurrection they've seen him come back to life he's about to ascend into the clouds and they're still thinking that he came to establish a physical literal kingdom here and now and I just (laughs) I like Jesus' response I I almost think it's connected like Jesus is so so fed up with this stupid question he just begins to float away instead of I'm not even going to answer this question again this is such a dumb question Over and over, they keep thinking if you could float away, if you had the power to float away from dumb questions, would you not use that power all the time? Your kids are just asking stuff, and all of a sudden, you just just start floating. And people get the answer yeah, that guy's floating away. Yep. This is a dumb question. I shouldn't have asked it. It's like they keep getting it wrong. And you know what I, I'm grateful for at least in in the fact that they keep getting it wrong is at least the disciples aren't the only ones that continually engage in repetitive ignorance. It gives me faith that when I don't get it over and over and over and over. When I still think the wrong way or I still keep getting caught in the wrong thing, Jesus has grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. He's got grace for you in your ignorance. He's got grace for you in your mistakes. He's got grace for you in your failures. He's got grace upon grace upon grace because here they still think no matter how many times he's said it, no matter how many times he's taught, no matter how many miracles he's shown that he's eared to us, establish a different kind of kingdom, a kingdom of heaven in the hearts of mankind, they still think he's going to overthrow Rome, he's going to raise an army, he's going to build a throne, and he's going to sit on a literal throne with a literal kingdom in Israel. They still don't get that he is the God of the whole world and that he's come to establish a different kind of kingdom. Every single part of this question is incorrect. Lord, are you... They're saying, what are you going to do? Because he says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem to receive the Holy Spirit because it's going to empower you for what I'm going to have you do. And they say, well, Lord, aren't you going at this time right now? Aren't you going to restore the kingdom of Israel right now? All of these things are wrong. It's not God that's going. It's not Jesus And I mean to say it this way, physically, Jesus on the earth at this time, that's going to bring the kingdom of heaven. He's going to bring the kingdom of heaven through the Holy Spirit and through his disciples. So he's telling them, I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit because I got some work for you to do. And they say, no, 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 no. Aren't you the one that's going to do the work? They still don't get it. And aren't you going to do it right now? And Jesus is saying, I've been doing it and I'm going to continue doing it. But no, I'm not going to establish a kingdom of Israel right now. Every aspect is wrong. He's going to establish a kingdom of heaven through eternity. I'm just grateful that God is faithful even when we don't get him. You know, even when we don't understand, like, what he's trying to do in our lives. We're praying the wrong prayers. We're going the wrong direction. We're doing the wrong things. And he's just so faithful over and over and over Think about this. This is the last thing that they said to Jesus, and it was 100% wrong. This was the last statement they said to Jesus, and every word of it, I've got it all underlined. You can't see my notes, but if you were able to see my notes, all the words that are wrong are underlined. It's it's the whole thing. Every aspect of it still doesn't understand what he came to do, but he's still so grace-filled, and he's still so faithful. Aren't you at this time? And, And here's Jesus' response. Number one... God is not on, on your timetable. He so says it's not for you to know the times or the dates or the seasons. God is not on your timetable. I want you to know this about God. He's too great to be boiled down into a little tiny formula of how he's going to do it and the way he's going to do it. And I prayed that prayer, and I, I gave him the offering, so why am I not stinking blessed? He is not <laughs> He's not a form. He, he will not be he, he will. He will not be boiled down into a little thing. You know what's interesting about God? He won't be solved either. He's so grand, he's so mysterious, he will reveal himself, but he will not be solved by your intellect. There's going to have to be some faith here. And, and so they're saying, well, when exactly are you going to do the kingdom of heaven? We want to know exactly when and how. And, and, and God's saying, I'm not on your timetable I'm, I'm not working the way you think I'm going to work, or the way you want me to work. Let, let me let me put it to you. Uh, let, me, let me put it to you this way. Sometimes the prayers you pray are not going to be answered the way you think they're going to be answered, and the time frame you want them to be answered. But he's still a good God. But you got to understand, God will not be boiled down to a little. Tiny uh, uh, pocket-sized God that 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 you, you it's like a multi-tool. Whatever you need, you need a little bit of blessing. You need a little bit of faith. You need a. Little, that's not who He is. The expansion of the universe cannot contain who God is. And so they're trying to figure out when exactly you're going to do this. And God's, and Jesus, He won't even answer the question. He says it's not. It doesn't matter what I'm going to do. I'm going to empower you to get to work. And I just want you to know this as well, and maybe, maybe you don't uh, deal with this thing, but I want to throw this in here as a side note. You, this sets you free from having to buy all those books that tell you when the end, of the end of the apocalypse is coming. And all those YouTube videos, you've spent hours watching about the symbols and signs and, and all the numbers in Revelation. Jesus himself doesn't know. You're not going to figure it out. So just let it go. This is a freeing verse for me. God's like, I'm going to do whatever the heck I'm going to do. Right? It's not up for you the times and the seasons. God's gonna do what he's gonna do, but I'll empower you to be faithful for what I've given you to do. You say amen. And so I I I just need for you to know God's not on our timetable. He might not do it when we think, how we think, why we think, but he will be faithful. His second response is he says, I I'm it's not. Um, for you to know that times and the seasons, the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power from on high when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So number one, God's not on your timetable, but number two, he will resource you to accomplish what he's given for you to accomplish. He's a good God, and he will give you everything you need, the power, the wisdom, the help, the might to accomplish what he has for you to accomplish. The third thing he says is now, then I want you to be my witnesses. Jesus' response to his disciples is that now it's time for you to go and tell the story of who I am and what I've done. And the final thing is, and he says, I want you to be my witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the ends of the earth. God wants there to be a global awakening. God wants there to be a global revival, a global salvation. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God's saying this to like 11 disciples. You know what I think is so funny is God gives them like an impossible task at this moment. I want you to go to Jerusalem. I can do that. Judea, Samaria. All right. That might take a lifetime and I want you to be my witness to the ends of the earth and I just picture there's his 11 disciples and his followers around followers all around I want you to bring what I've done and who I am to the ends of the earth and they think like God that, that's an impossible task and that moment God begins to float away <laughs> like he gives them an impossible task and then ghosts on them. all right that's it I'm out And I I look at that and I think, like, God, that's too difficult to do, you know, to bring passion and bring faith and bring who you are to the ends of the earth. But Jesus still gives them the power, the authority, and the responsibility of this task to bring Jesus to the whole world. And I, I wonder if what if they weren't intended just those disciples there, to accomplish this directive fully on their own? What if it wasn't just for for Peter and and James and John to accomplish this fully on their own? What if Jesus gave this task to them in the book of Acts, but really he gave it to the disciples, and we are the disciples? I, I just feel like God has given us the responsibility along with Peter and James and John. He's given us the resources along with Peter, James, and John, and he's given us the community to do what? To be witnesses. This is who he is. This is what he's done. This is what he's going to do. I pray we are a church that continues to share in the responsibility to show Jesus to the world. And all these years later, he's given us everything we need, the resources, the people, the Holy Spirit, to be witnesses. And, and, and you know what I think is interesting is the first response of, of, of the disciples is to go and recruit another disciple, another apostle. They go and recruit Matthias, and, and they, they chose him to replace Judas. And, and I think there's something to that where before the Holy Spirit shows up, they're waiting, they're praying, they're expecting, and they're recruiting they're recruiting. They're going to get some people that are going to help them show Jesus to the world. I just want to say this over the next few months. I pray that we enter into a season of expectation as a church. I know God's gonna do and continue to do great things. He's done amazing things for 31 years. He's gonna continue to do amazing things. And in the meantime, we're not gonna lose our expectation. We're not gonna lose our hope. And, and even this, I love this. They go out and they recruit someone to be the witness to Jesus because they're gonna need as many people as possible to stand up and say, I saw what he did. I saw who he helped. I saw his resurrection. Can I tell you, today, I'm recruiting you to be a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What has he done? What have you seen? I, I guess what I'm saying is we're going to be a vibrant church, but we need some vibrant people to continually step, uh, to continually to step up. I, I, I pray we got more crew leaders stepping up in this next season. I pray we have more people joining Movement Course. And if you've been to Movement Course, find someone who hasn't, Grab their arm and say, I'll go through it with you again. And they said, Jordan, I already went through it. Okay, but at some point, it doesn't become about you receiving. It becomes about you being a witness to what you received. Now I'm expecting now for you. I've got enough expectation for myself. And for you. I pray in worship you show up with your hands raised, with your faith engaged. Whether they play the song you like or not, whether it hits you in the anointing fields or not, you are ready to bring your worship. Why? Because I got, I got enough expectation for me and for the whole church. We will be his witnesses. I pray you continually tell the story of what Jesus has done and what he is doing. Because sometimes you don't fully understand what he's doing, and I think there's value in that story as well. I don't fully know what Jesus is doing right now, but let me tell you where he's brought me from. Let me tell you what he's done before, and maybe we can pray together for what he's doing right now. We will be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. You know, God has given us providence. God has given us Smithfield. God has given us global. This is who we're going to be, but we're going to be a church that steps up and engages our faith in a great way. Can you say amen?